I've got one last trick in me. And he turns and walks towards it. You see darkness and tendrils wrapping around him and then swirls of tree of leaves and branches and mixing with the darkness and there's something big and I think um Linward and Hess you can feel a bit of it too even though it's far away you can feel that something big's going on in the woods and then it just vanishes when George gone as well and George is gone and then I walk back to the house thinking to myself and George's not that bad. And then just sort of like sits right back down uh, after entering the house. And just, yeah, like nothing happened. And at this point, the ritual is ready to go. Yeah, it has just kind of raises an eyebrow, but because it's time to do stuff, they're not going to question their bestie. Just like, uh, we're going to talk later. <laughs> that like best friend look like you... There was something. We're gonna talk. Mm-hmm. Two looks, basically. One is for the bestie, and one is for the lover. They're all the same, but, like, in different ways. The message is the same. We'll talk later. We'll be fine. So, this will be performing a ritual. Whenever a faction performs a ritual, gonna kind of play a little loose with the faction, so you are... Power. Well, the thing is, you aren't doing this with your normal faction. What size? I think we decided Cole's faction was tier three. It's big. Yeah, it's it's basically it's the mom it's the mom's area. So you are, yeah, you are doing this in the mom's territory with their help, and you also have the support of your friends. And when we're are you doing anything to contribute to this? or Because I know you can't, don't have any magic to contribute to it, but knowledge. On the contrary, I do actually have the... Oh yeah, you do have magic now. The reskinned magic that we picked. Now, granted, that is more of a fictional positioning than like a practical one. Um... I think you said, like, you could help Hess make sense of what she's seeing or something. I. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I lend expertise. I will basically help however I'm able. If we want to talk about what that looks like in the moment. Yeah. We can basically run that as we get it. But I believe it's roll to lend a hand. I got a zero in power, but... Doesn't matter, don't need it, got an 11. All right, okay. That's plus one, and you haven't exposed yourself to danger. So, hooray. I'll take it. At least with this. There's other dangers, but, um... So, when a faction performs a ritual, roll with their strength. So, you will be rolling... Uh, <laughs> you're gonna be rolling plus four, I think? I'll take it. Since you've got the mom's faction and Windward's help, and then I can let y'all sort of shape what it looks like. Seven plus four, that's 11 altogether. Okay, so question is, 
who are you doing first? Are you going for Bart? Or are you going for the others? So I think what it looks like is Hess sits there with the device on her lap and because it has strings, her magic, that, you know, shimmery galaxy purple starts to swirl around her fingers as she's plucking the cords and it starts to turn into this old like, melody that's sort of, and she's not even conscious she's doing it because she doesn't play music at all, but this mix of like ACDC and uh, Sweet Home Alabama and she's starting to call forth like Hawk's spirit to like come back in as the purple yeah. shimmers kind of all around her. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And like as you are, you have that, and you're like setting that, creating that kind of milieu, and then that's the point at which, because like part of the setup for it is we burn specific, like precisely 21 grams of magnesium. So like that's set in the the little bowl, like the little burn bowl, up against the mirror. What was the item that we got for Hawk? I think it was his pocket knife. Yeah, it was it was a pocket knife that had his initials on it. Gotcha. So that's set into the space where that's supposed to be. And I think like part of how you can tell that it's working is we've had to lay it down, but as the music is swelling and that like aurora is is sort of gathering around the device, the pocket knife itself actually starts like levitating and then turning, and that's when Windward reaches over and ignites the magnesium, and then the light like bounces off of the mirror, gets focused through the lens, hits the chicken soup can, hits the pocket knife, and yeah, like through through the chicken soup can with the lens in it. God, I created such a dumb thing. <laughs> it's awesome. And uh, it's like great. hits the pocket knife. It's so great. Right. And like instead of that beam of light stopping. It hits it for a second, and the pocket light uh, knife is illuminated. And then, at that point, it sits for a little while, and then almost starts passing through it like it's a prism. So it just kind of expands out into this this band of light that hits the aurora that's been set up by Hess. I kind of picture that there's actually one beam that goes to Hawk, who you got Hawk and Darren like laying on the tables. Mm-hmm. One beam goes to Hawk and another beam just goes off somewhere else. And Hess, what does this look like for you? I think when Hess kind of finally opens their eyes, they're like the color of a midnight sky and just like full of glittering stars and everything. And what she sees is this sort of spectral gray area that's like illuminated with like little flashes of different colors because each soul has its own aura color. So like she's seeing like these different aura shapes flicker into the shape of a person and then go off somewhere else. And it's just like this room full of like different flickering auras. It's kind of almost like if you watch the older X-Men, like when Professor X does Cerebro, and, like, you can see all the spectral bodies. It's kind of, like, the vibe I'm getting here. That was what I was picturing. <laughs> Those were, ah, they, they turned out so terrible, but they had such potential. You are able to see Hawk, and I'll say with that high of a roll, you can see there's a little bit of a difference between the souls that are where they're supposed to be and those that are lost. So you can kind of see... 
you can't latch on to them like you are with Hawk, but you can see glimpses of, of the other three that you're looking for. Okay, so you're all there, that's good. Right, okay. Mr. Hawk, I think it's time for you to come back with me, and like she'll extend a hand, like, but her hands are still playing, so it's just this like aura, the astral projection, there we go. Like, her astral projection self just reaching out. It's like, people have been missing you. We need to get you home. I think, what if you, like, you physically raise your hand off the strings, but what remains is, like, a, the shadow of that yes. hand. Just within that, like, that aurora color. Still playing the music. And you, like, you reach out, and you kind of, like, you grab onto the, the light, like it's a the light beam that is shooting off in the other direction from his body. The magic, as you grab it, the magic, your magic, your specific aurora magic, starts wrapping around that beam of light, and it starts infusing with it, and so instead of it just being like a single pure strand, it starts becoming more of a cord with your like multicolor, like purple and blue aurora magic infusing with which I gotta assume is like white just like that pure white light yeah and it becomes like a rope I dig it yeah no so it's just this this cord extended from her hand around the light and then the other spectral hand still doing the ritual the rest of you watch as this cord at first it looks like after the cord's made nothing's happening but then you just kind of see it or attract and I'll say Winward and Kyle you can't actually see Wimbert especially because you've spent more time with Hawk. You get that it feels kind of like when you know your friend just walked into the room. <laughs> I have some flavor for that because I've always imagined Hawk smelling like old leather and like ch- tobacco. And just like you get the sense of that smell starting to like permeate in the room more as the cord starts to retract. Permeate, permeate to a pleasant amount, not where she's like, okay. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and everyone can smell it, and it just goes and it, it just continues, and then it passes through, and then even though Hawk is still paused, you can tell something's changed. Can Windward go over and grab, unpause him, or do we? is there a reason to leave him paused at the moment? I mean, you are welcome to unpause him. Even if he didn't have his soul, he would still be technically alive. Mm-hmm. But that's a good way to sort of tell if it's working. Yeah, yeah. Windward um, sort of goes, and I think we had put the pause button on his forehead. And, um... Was it on the forehead or on the chest? That was months ago. So, I, listeners? Uh, I was going to say, if we can't remember, we'll just automatically put it on his nose so you have to boop him away. Maybe it's been moved. Sure. I don't know. Listeners, whatever whatever you want to picture is the correct place for this. I like the boop idea. I think that's cute. Actual play is a first draft and an exercise in massaging the, the shit that you did. So, uh, <laughs> when we're... Just like with a very dainty, uh, actually says, and boop, and presses the pause button that is now and has always been on his nose. And when it pops back up, she just snags the button and puts it back into the box and 
tension returns to Hawk's body again because he's not paused anymore. Yeah, it's there's this just sharp intake of breath, and he was breathing earlier, but now it's just there's there's just something different about it where it's more like he's just asleep. It's the breaths are deeper, more full, and he's not gonna fully wake up, but it's. It feels right again. And he will also, like, react to stimuli if you, like, poke his face, he just kind of, like, twitches. Losing your soul for an indeterminate amount of time is it's exhausting. Uh, yeah. I think Windward turns back to Hess with a big smile on his face and says, Well, one down, three to go. Right, okay. Um... Uh, I guess, uh, and she kind of slips over a little because she's a little tired. That was, that was an experience that she wasn't expecting, but okay, we got this. You notice there's, there's a couple little pouches, pouches of juice, a couple granola bars next to you. Just does the, like, properly gets the Capri Suns dry in the first time and just happy little rocky moments yeah. with the Capri Sun. Yeah, and I'll say Roma has stepped away to give y'all privacy. That's nice. Alright. I'm thinking, and she's like sipping the juice box, we should do Darren next because he's here. Roz to test if we can do it over distance and then... I don't know if it's going to work for Bart because they're being inhabited by the stranger, but we can try. I give you the ability to communicate. Yes, um, if nothing else, it, uh, it gives us a line. And that's good. And, furthermore, if having another soul that is meant to be in the body that you have claimed through nefarious means, uh, having the the body's original soul owner pestering you at uh, an otherwise important um, important juncture where focus is required, might be beneficial. So I think, at the very least, being able to speak with uh, speak with the boy would be would be good. So. Darren Rosbart. Sounds good. Finishes her granola bar and tucks the wrapper in her pocket because not sure where the trash can is. I'm I'm gonna look at Wardy. Remind me, back when we first recorded, you had um, Wardy had told Kyle that you were about to meet someone from your past. That was part of the first find someone. Found a way to find yeah, someone. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you ever mention that it was this that you were trying, that you were going to do to Kyle? You showed Kyle some of the research. Yeah, I showed you the Um, schematics in the box. This is, you should, you should be aware that this is. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and raise my hand and say, didn't you want to use it to find someone else as well? Yes. Yes. A few people. I have uh, an idea. Yeah? All the stuff that we're trying to do, you know, grabbing people, all this tests, still comes very close to pestering the stranger. And we're trying to test this. I was thinking we could test it with the people that you're looking for so it's not 
pinpointing the stranger towards us to make sure. I will say, Hess, when you were interacting with the soul, you didn't feel any tendrils of the stranger. You might have been able to feel like just a general essence of there was something, well, maybe not in this plane, but sort of connected to, like, brushing against it, not fully in it that felt like the stranger. But there was nothing of the stranger around Hawk Soul. It was just... Felt kind of like someone had taken it and flung it. Okay, so good news. Hawk didn't... There was something multidimensional, obviously, about the soul's eating, but there was an essence of the stranger. Similar, but different. Almost, um, I would say, like a different color sweater. Same design, but in a different dye. Hmm... Which is not troubling at all. Well. I mean, it is your machine, Winwood. We can try finding your person before we continue. Yes. Yes, we could. We don't have to RP out the finding of all the other souls. Because <laughs> that was also a really good roll for your first Fair. time. So we could either just roll and have it happen, or... Right. I don't feel like we need to go through all of the tension and build up, at least for the other two. Yeah, for, yeah. Bart, maybe? Uh, Darren, yeah, but for... Because Bart's in a different place. In that case, let's just say that um, whenever you decide to do the other two, Darren and Roz, it does work. Roz feels a little different, but and you aren't 100% sure until one of you gets a text from Lily saying... By the way, just thought you would want to know, Roz is awake? Well, not awake, but she seems more conscious. Okay, that worked. Good to know. Yes, yes, good to know. The thing we're about to do is poke the bear, and that might be when it gets to be on. It might be good to save Bart's for last, maybe? Yeah. So let's, like, if we just kind of, like, massage that, what Gliza had said for Kyle, like, you've got somebody else that you were going to be looking for and we're about to, to really kind of cause trouble. Why don't you do it first before we get in trouble? This conversation happens after you've done Darren and Ross, but before you go to the one who you know is their body is possessed by the stranger. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, yeah, Hess is just sitting there, like, giving a thumbs up at this, sipping the... I'm trying to think what's the best flavor Capri Sun. The Fruit Punch Capri Sun. Like, this is her fourth one. Just like, yeah, I agree with what Bestie is saying. We should do we should do your thing. Well, why not? To be perfectly honest, why not is more a matter of cowardice and shame than anything else. If we could find them, it would be good to have another ally. Somebody else on our side through this. It would be good. Kyle, you're right. Yeah. We should find... We should find them. Kyle, please go give your partner a hug because I don't think I can leave the ritual circle and do it for me. I don't need an excuse for that and just hugs Wardy. It's okay. Yeah, when we returns the hug, picks Kyle up off the ground, 
rubs their face against the the shaved side of Kyle's head, just like hand through hair, smells them one more time. I'm not going anywhere. No, I know you're not. I know. I... Nathan. I'm not going anywhere either. I'm sure it'll be okay. Yes, yes, I'm... With you here with me, I don't know how it can be anything else. Of course. Okay. Well, ought to be exciting for the two of you to finally meet. Well, um... Yeah. Are you ready for one more? Has he ready for one more go? Um, before that, though, um, could you put me down low? Oh, yes, yeah, <laughs> yes. Thank you. Yes. Kyle's feet were just tingling, like, good six inches or so off the ground. Uh, Hess just nods and is like, all right, let's do this. I don't know if this is going to be different than the last times, but I'm sure you'll hear whatever music is associated with them, and it'll be nice to meet this person. They're obviously very important to you, and as your friend, I'm excited to meet them. Yes. Of course, this is bound to be a little different. Um, I... For the others, we've found an object of some value to them because they were material beings. We, um, well, material beings attached to material items and through that ownership, a piece of them remains with the object. And that's obviously what we're tying on to. The person we're looking for is in many ways or at least in part, immaterial. And so, if I've done my research correctly, an immaterial expression of the idea of them ought to suffice. So please, if you would. And Hess begins playing. And I think like the music that comes out is something that is... It's always going to be recognizable in an ineffable ineffable way. Like, you couldn't quite place where you've heard it from, but you've heard it. You've been hearing it your entire life. And Windward sets down the magnesium and then crouches into and looks directly into the tube where the, uh, the objects would have been hung or would have levitated. I picture it's been, like, sitting on a table and there's, like, chairs around Mm -hmm. it. There's, like, a taller chair and a shorter chair. You don't have to crouch. You can just sit in a shorter chair. Yes, and Windward looks over to Hess, looks over to Kyle, and then I think just, like, closes, closes their eyes and takes a deep breath, says, in a time aside from time, when... What's it? It doesn't matter. It was all quite new, but uh, a war broke out in heaven. Perhaps you've heard the story. Lucifer the Lightbringer deigned to question. Michael refused to follow. It was all something of a dour and violent mess. Lucifer was made to leave heaven, and he was rather upset by this. He still hasn't quite gotten over it now, but time is everything and nothing, so... It doesn't really heal the wounds for our kind. Neither I've found does revenge, although it can be satisfying. So by the end of the bloody business, 
Lucifer had become too estranged from Michael to reach him, either for revenge or reconciliation. However, to either side of the protector had been one of his standard bearers. On his right, Zadkiel, the angel of freedom, benevolence, and mercy, and to his left, Jophiel, angel of beauty, understanding, and judgment. The eyes of the Lord are upon all those who fear him, so one wonders how closely he watches the angels. The Tetrarch and the saints are less omniscient, so Zadkiel and Jophiel were perhaps better within the adversary's reach. Jophiel, for his part, understood Lucifer's beauty, though they were withheld from passing their own judgments. And perhaps that's all it took to tempt Jophiel away. Now, you see, Zadkiel and Jophiel bore great love for one another, a love of a kind very nearly unique among the angels. Perhaps this is why they had been chosen to bear the Almighty's banner, for what better standard to rally against a love frustrated and broken than a love pure and strong. And it was that love, in the end, that saved Jophiel from final damnation. Jophiel had transgressed. In what ways, it does not matter to this mortal realm, but they had transgressed all the same. But they had not fallen. Before Jophiel could fall, Zadkiel appeared in a violet flame, sent to end Jophiel's existence. <laughs> but one does not send the angel of mercy to pass judgment and seek retribution. Zadkiel made a deal with the devil. Zadkiel secured Jophiel's freedom by taking on their pact, bearing their burden as one bears a large stone. It was nearly but not quite their first. It was far from their last, for one must bear a thousand burdens on a journey through hell. Meanwhile, Jophiel saw the steps that they had taken down a forbidden road and judged themselves harshly. They could never go back, not without receiving forgiveness, and the angel of forgiveness had long, long since disappeared into hell. Jophiel took on a mortal coil, rode it until it passed on, and, forbidden from heaven and forbeared against hell, acquired a new coil. And again and again. For a thousand lifetimes. Jophiel lived, died, and lived anew. And so it continued. Zadkiel traded stones. Jophiel lived, died, and was buried, and lived again. It is said, among those who know, though those are few, that Zadkiel is burdened by a thousand stones, and Jophiel is buried in a thousand graves. And yet, or so it is hoped and feared by those who know, the banner has not fallen. The love remains. So this I know, this I hope. I bear many burdens. And the love I bear for you, Jophiel, does not burden me. This I place in this mortal contraption so that I may find you again. I love you, Jophiel.
I love you. You were so caught in your story that you didn't notice when a voice echoed yours about the thousand stones and the thousand graves. But as you glance up, you see Roma standing in the doorway. And as you look at her, you see something in her and one word, you're the only one that recognizes for there were others in that time who chose to walk the earth and help those that lived on it as opposed to staying in, he staying in the heavens and only passing judgment, including two of the fates. And as Roma stands before you, you know she knows the story. She says, it was terrible what they asked you to do, but I'm glad to see you found each other again. And Kyle? That's when you remember everything. <laughs> you remember everything. Who you were, who you've been, and what all Zadkiel did to save you. Right. And I think for Winward, as you're thinking, as you process her words, you remember. You remember the day Kyle walked into your store and it just was the most natural thing in the world. All this time you wondered, could you ever be forgiven? Would you even recognize or would Jovial even recognize you when you found them? But as you think on back on it, something in you did recognize them. And Hess is so distracted that the spell just kind of peters out. I, I think Hess is still doing the spell and then kind of it senses there's something not right with it. Like she doesn't see the same flickering, even if it's angelic. I would assume it's more of a bright preternatural light and she's not getting anything and she stops and she looks at Winwood. It's like, I I don't think it worked. I'm so sorry. Not realizing what's happened because she was so engrossed in the ritual. You maybe didn't catch or process all of what Roma said. No, I... No, you've, you've done... I think it worked. It did? Yeah. And she kind of looks around like trying to figure out... Yeah. It very much worked. Can you ever forgive me? There's nothing to forgive. Oh my gods! <laughs> Sorry, it clicks then for Hess. Roma's just standing in the doorway, beaming. And she just kind of like backs around the corner to give y'all privacy again. There's a lot happening in my head right now. A lot of memories that are mine, but not mine. Yeah. And? All I know, and then when I say all I know, Kyle is just going to move forward and kiss Wardy. <laughs> yeah. I don't know much about this life. But at least I know this much. I'm still Kyle. 
Windward kisses Kyle at that. And normally when you when you're the one initiating the kiss, it is uh it's it's sort of on the other person to melt, but they manage to uh Windward manages to both initiate the kiss and also melt into it. I think Hess just lets out a very because she was a little worried there for a second and just smiles very happily that, oh good, they're still together, they're still my friends. Not much has changed, except Kyle's an angel? Question mark? I don't... Yes, the most beautiful of them. Did you not, did you not... Knowledge and beauty and understanding. Has just kind of gestures to the, like, the soul seeker is like, I was a little busy? Ah, yes. Sorry. Yeah, I, um... God. Does that mean I have angel powers, too? <laughs> Priorities. I have only recently... You're a divinely yeah. pain in my ass sometimes, if that's what you mean. <laughs> well, we know that already. Hear bo- George's Jar- voice coming from deeper than the mountains. Mine too. <laughs> Mine too, but different. It's happily a pain. Mm, yes. That almost went bad. Delightful. <laughs> I, Kyle, you're still, you are still wonderfully human. I don't know what this means. It would be perhaps a little on the nose to say that I've been through hell, but knowing that you were near to me, realizing that for the first time since then, I could have you again. I felt it coming back. I have felt my connection to the divine returning to me in a way that I didn't expect. Yes. You are powerful. You have always been powerful. Does this mean that you will have additional... additional skills, additional uh, capabilities? Who's to say? But you're you. Yeah. I'm still me. Even with all of that, I'm still me. It's more than I could have hoped for. I didn't know what I was hoping for until I got it. Tempest Multi is a production of Theodore Social, changing reality one story at a time. It is an actual play podcast using Urban Shadows 2E Quick Start Guide, and it's set once again in the town of Oak Ridge, Tennessee. I am your keeper and producer. Hello, everyone. It's Casey again. I'll be playing Cass... Pravda, the Oracle Playbook. My name is Zadkiel, or just Zad. In this game, I am going to be playing Windward Pudge, and they are using the Imp Playbook. Hi there, I'm Maria Perry. I'm playing Millie Elza, your local vampy vampire. I am Blaze, and I'll be playing Jason Madison Coleman, the Aware. What's up, y'all? I'm Fennec Foxfire. I will be playing Hess, playing from the Book of the Wizard. Hi, I'm Gliza. I will be playing Kyle of the Tainted Playbook. 
I am Ava Rogers. I will be playing Angel Big, the Sworn. To get more information on this or any of our other shows, check out our website at pseudonymsocial.com. <laughs>